Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, uh, perhaps for uh, 2,000 years, uh, pastors have been trying to explain the difference between grace and works. And we keep on trying, don't we? Yet, as we look around the United States, we look around the world, we see that still there is a great confusion as, well, on the one hand, we hear, perhaps, well, meaning individuals telling us that we are being cursed by God. But is that really what we think of God? You know, we, we grew up with, with parents, many of us coming from, you know, very good families. When your, your mother, your father was disappointed in you, you know, what kind of punishments did they lay out against you? Now, you know, certainly for, for some of us, you know, maybe, maybe our little behind got paddled. But you, you think about the, the act of a, a, a spanking, the act of being sent to your room, right? You know, did, did, did you have, you know, lifelong marks on, on your behind? No. And in fact, you probably didn't even have bruises there. You just, you know, felt bad. You understood that you had done wrong, that you needed to, to repent once again, right? Maybe as you got a, a little bit older, you're a teenager, maybe your dad took away your car key. And oh, Dad is ruining my life. That's pretty dramatic. But yet, you know, we're, we're again, were there, you know, lasting consequences? Were there, you know, these kind of terrible, lifelong battles you then had to undertake to overcome your dad taking away your car keys at the age of, of 16? No. And so we understand, you know, discipline coming from a loving family, don't we? And that kind of discipline, it, it's somewhat different from looking at, at the current events and saying, oh, God is disciplining. Say, what, you know, 200,000 people die and, and that's God's discipline? It, it, is that really what it's like? And so especially for us within the, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, when we have always taught that Jesus bore the cost of our sin upon the cross, that is really the complete opposite, isn't it? Now, certainly we had a, a powerful Old Testament text for today, didn't we? A text full of, you know, that wrath of God, full of that, the judgment of God upon sinners. But, but guess what? That's how it used to be, you see. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is the difference. 
That is the changing point. God loved us so much, he got tired of judging. Yeah, he got tired of people never really learning from that, that he in fact came up with a new way. He says he punished Jesus for the sin of the whole world upon the cross. Now guess what? If God punished Jesus for the sin, then it's done with. You see, we no longer fall under God's wrath because Jesus took it all. You know, you, you think about it this way. You know, did, did Jesus just kind of do the down payment? Uh, that, that's how, how some people kind of live their lives, isn't it? You know, maybe Jesus' death on the cross, maybe that paid, you know, 10% of my bill. But now I still have to work and try and do good so I can make up the 90%. Well, guess what? When, when you're walking into heaven, if, if you somehow make it, then, then what are you saying? 90%? Right? And then you see Jesus over there, he's, well, I'm going to go out of my way to go thank Jesus, because after all, he paid 10%, you know. Thank you, Jesus, paying that 10%. But, 90, see. No, the, the fact of the matter is that when we walk into those heavenly gates, it's going to be because Jesus paid for it all. And that is the wonderful message of the Christian faith. Jesus paid for my sin. He paid for all of my sin. I don't have to worry about when I get up to the pearly gates that, you know, oh, well, you know, there is that one thing. Yeah. And that's why the, the Christian message is so powerful among drug dealers and prostitutes. Because God has come and said there is nothing you can possibly do that is beyond what Jesus paid. You see, you're free from the past. Having Jesus come into your heart, repenting of your sin, going out then on that very next day, you can say, my sin is forgiven. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. I can face tomorrow. I can go into the future. I am God's child today. A co-heir with Christ. My sin is forgiven. You see, dear friends, when Jesus Christ our Lord died upon the cross, he in fact did pay all of our sin. He paid for it all. And that means that, that people no longer have to worry about, oh, God must be disappointed, so he sent that tornado. Say, no. In fact, God says, you know, Satan is the prince of the powers of the air. 
Not God. But yeah, you, you, you know what? Twenty years ago, I was serving a vacancy congregation. You know, it experienced you know some problems from the weather. The insurance person you know came into our church and said, "That was an act of God." not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus Christ paid for our sin. The, the Bible says, you know, God is no longer sitting there as an angry God, ready to judge our next move. In fact, when we come into the throne room for God's final judgment, you know, God is just going to look over at Jesus. No, there's not going to be this big video playing of every single thing we did wrong. When, when you were two, you lied to your mom. You know, when, when you were five, you stole a quarter from that other kid at school. And on and on and on. But rather, when we come into the throne room for that judgment, God is just going to look over at Jesus. And if Jesus gives us the thumbs up, we're going to be cleared. You know my son. Come on in. You see. The only thing people have to fear is if they have rejected him. Now a person comes into the throne room on that last day and, and Jesus looks over there and he, he says, you know, sorry dad, I, I don't know who that is. That's the person that, that's in trouble. And that's the, the person that will then begin to bear the punishment yes, uh, for, for their sin, specifically for rejecting Jesus. But for, for those of us in Christ, for the, for the rest of us, no, our sin is covered. Everything is forgiven because Jesus bore it all. That should give us a great freedom. We should have a, a wonderful sense of relief that this burden is lifted off my shoulders. I, I can stand a little straighter now this morning. It's taken care of. Jesus died on the cross. He opened the way to heaven for me. I'm going to make it. And yet there's confusion, isn't there? And I think the confusion comes from when we see people abusing the grace of God, doesn't it? Because, you know, some people can hear the message that I just delivered this morning and they can say, well, I, I can do whatever I want. Huh? Now, it, it really, Pastor, if Jesus died for all of my sin, I can go out there and I have just live it up the rest of my life, right? If it really is all, all covered, if it's really all taken care of, I can do a lot of fun stuff this way. But then we've missed the point, haven't we? You know, the, the Apostle Paul was talking this morning about what having Christ did for him, see. It made him long to be better. 
didn't it? And that is the real and true fruit of the gospel. When a person actually hears that good news that, that their past is cleared, it's wiped out. The, the future is assured. There's a place, a mansion even, in the heavens built for them by God. They have something wonderful to look forward to. They have no more guilt or, or shame about what happened yesterday. Then, with the true fruit of the Spirit growing within their life, they want to do better, see. They want to excel. They want to be pleasing in God's eyes. And so maybe that then is the, the crux of the matter. Now two people can hear the gospel. One person responds and out of love they begin to do their best. To be their best and to give their best. Another one hears the gospel and uses it as a license to go out and continue committing sin. But dear friends, the one person is true, aren't they? The other person doesn't really have it. Now we used to sing that, that song as younger people, you know, that they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. And that is still the true mark of a Christian, isn't it? But from today's sermon, we know that that love is also a love directed toward God. You see, if I truly have love in my heart for God that has you know, sprung up as a result of this fruit of faith, I'm going to try to do things God's way, aren't I? Now, I, I was listening to a, a message from a, a younger Christian pastor recently. Uh, you know, he, he was talking about something surprising that had happened in his life. He, you know, he, he, he said, you know what, my, my wife came to me this week and she said, is there anything that I'm doing that really irritates you? And, and he went on to say, you know, my, my very first thought was, you know, this is some kind of trap. You know, my, my, my wife is going to get me to, you know, tell her a, a few maybe little itsy-bitsy things and, and then she's just maybe going to really unload on me about, you know, how I don't mow the lawn or I don't take out the trash or, you know, maybe there's stuff that, that, I, that really irritates her and she's just going to let me have it. Hey, that's kind of how we think in the world today, isn't it? You know, someone would come and ask you an honest question, you know, what kind of things, you know, do, do I do that really irritate you? You also might say, ooh, I don't know if I want to touch that one. Well, what are they doing? But, but no, you know, realizing that, that his, you know, wife was being honest 
with him and, you know, being genuine. Right? He, he shared with, with her the, the couple things. And, and she said, you, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to stop doing those. And he went on to report that his wife followed through. Now, dear friends, isn't that what a genuine love is like? See, I love you so much. I don't want there to be anything that's irritating to you. And in fact, I'm going to begin making changes if I find out that, that there's something wrong. Now that, that's what genuine love is really like. And so if we really love God and we go to his holy word and, and it says in there, you know, thou shalt not steal. You know, then with love of God in our hearts, we're going to redouble our effort to follow that command. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're not bank robbers, you know, you're, you're not, you know, run, running around out there, you know, holding up banks, you know, you don't have, have people at gunpoint, you know, taking their stuff. But yet, on the other hand, there are probably legal ways to take other people's things, aren't there? And that means that, you know, not only are we not running around with guns, but we're, we're not going to court to unfairly try to get our neighbor's possessions, right? Oh yeah, there's a, a, a lot of catastrophes that kind of take place when mom and dad pass away, aren't there? You know, we've heard stories, right? Been around long enough, you know, we, we hear about, you know, these, these things that, that happen in various places. Well, I'm, I'm going to get a lawyer, and I'm going to sue, and I'm, I'm going to do this, and you know, there's no way you should have gotten all the inheritance, and I'm going to be doing stuff now, see. We hear all of that. But yeah, if I have the love of God in my heart, it means I'm not trying to steal things from my brothers and sisters when mom and dad pass away. Right? Thou shalt not steal. Even if I can find some legal loophole, it means I'm not going to try to go for it. You see, we're no longer just taking the law on the surface, but now we go back a step and we say, what is God's intention? You see, what is the foundation for that commandment that God made? I'm going to try to live up to God's standard and not just society's standard. Right? The Apostle Paul is talking about going to the next level, isn't he? And what a profound testimony that the apostle had. Now, he's, he's saying, if you look into my life, from the very beginning, I was doing it right. You see. You, you look, look at my life, you know, on, on the eighth day after birth, the young man is supposed to be circumcised. And, and Paul's parents did that. And if you look at the law, you know, he's able to, to say truthfully, under the law, 
I did it right. I outwardly kept all of the law. And yet, Paul says, it wasn't enough. I needed to have Christ in my life. I needed to be able to take a step back and not only follow the outward appearance, but also follow inwardly what God wanted me to do. I press on toward the goal. I want to be better every day. I want to get closer to God every day. I want Jesus Christ to fill me every single day. That's the response to love, isn't it? God loved us first. Now, last week we had the wonderful opportunity to witness a baptism once again. And for, for us, especially in the, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, right, when, when you think about you know, that, that little baby, why, in fact, in our present circumstance, would anyone want to bring a child for baptism? You know, you just, just ask the honest question. You know, the, the, the fear of disease, Right, the, the fear of bringing my, my little infant out you know, amongst people that I, I, I don't know, that I'm not associated with, right, that, that I'm going to have, have trust, you know, that, that somehow a person with sickness doesn't come to the service. You know, and all of the things that maybe would go through a, a parent's mind. And then you add into that you know, the, the current expectations of the day when everyone just kind of shrugs their shoulders. You know, that there, there's no longer kind of a, an ostracism, you know. You know, for, for many of us back in, in, in our day, if our parents didn't bring us for baptism, people would be saying, what is wrong with that, right? And then the pastor's probably coming to your house, you know, the, the week after you bring the baby home, saying, well, why weren't you in church this weekend? So our, our present circumstance, you know, people shrug their shoulders and, and you know, they don't really know that about the, this Christian thing. And, and it's just one of many religions that the United States seems to embrace. And uh, like I, I said, you know, the, the disease being spread. Why bring my baby? It's really the Holy Spirit, isn't it? You know, the, the Holy Spirit working within the, the hearts and minds of, of parents and grandparents, other people that we know, saying this is really important. Right? God wants that child. You need to bring that little baby to the church and have it baptized because it becomes God's baby then. God's child. And so working behind the scenes and through many and various ways, we had a church full of people uh, coming to see a little baby baptized, welcomed into God's family. Did, did the, the little baby have anything you know, really to do with it? 
you know, the, the little babies that, yeah, I've decided to follow Jesus. Mama, take me to the church. No. We, we had a real nice baptism, didn't we? But, you know, sometimes the, the little baby screams and cries and even turns colors. That's kind of a little scary. But it's never stopped a, a baptism yet, as far as I know. Because God chose the little child. God wants the little children to come to him. God especially loves it when a child is baptized. God reaches out. He works through people. He brings us into fellowship with himself. He loves us that much. And when we love in return, the fruit is there, isn't it? The fruit is growing. And so, so dear friends, I, I, I hope that maybe I've shed a, a little light on the subject once again today, but that is the difference between the law and between grace. That's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the, the difference between you know, trying to live by God's law on my own and having the Holy Spirit leading me to do God's will. And that's the, the difference today between walking around in fear and saying, oh, and I hope God doesn't punish us too much more. And being able to say, Jesus bore the cost of all the sin upon the tree. He died that I might be fully forgiven. He paid it all. And now I want, because I love him so much, to do my best, to do his will, to follow after him. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.